as we go forward, we plan to continue in our sermon series um, called I Am. Uh, What we are doing in this series as we approach the Easter season is we are considering seven statements that Jesus made about himself. These seven I Am statements are Jesus clearly disclosing who he is, how he wants us to think of him, and how he wants us to believe in him and trust him and follow him. So this is our third message in this series. It's entitled The Good Shepherd. It comes from John chapter 10, verses 1 through 18. I'm going to read those verses now from the ESV. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. So friends, this is God's word to us this morning. Let's pray together that we would hear it. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. The words of Jesus. Our Father and our God, we pray that by your spirit, you would give us ears to hear these words. And you would give us hearts that believe.
Lord, I pray for your people, those who know you, those who are redeemed by the blood of your son. I pray that you would give us this morning hearts of faith and a real tangible sense of your peace and of your presence. Lord, for those filled with fear, anxiety, and possibly even panic, I pray that they would see your son Jesus as the answer to everything that is needed and come to him in faith. Now, Lord, speak to us. Help me be a messenger of your truth in a way that would honor you glorify you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what we see in this passage this morning is imagery of a shepherd who cares for his sheep. And really, the the message of this sermon and the good news for us this morning is very simple. Shepherd imagery is good news for us when the infinite God of all is our good shepherd. This shepherd imagery is good news for us when the infinite God, the creator of all things, is our loving shepherd. Ultimately, what the passage says is that we are sheep. And Jesus is the good shepherd shepherd and the fact that he is our good shepherd is a good gift for us the way the story is told is through a parable through a metaphor it's a metaphor about a sheep or about about sheep and about the sheep pen so a little background In the time of Jesus, in a village, there would have been multiple shepherds who had their own flocks of sheep. And in the evening and in times of danger, they would bring their flocks into one sheep pen. They would herd them in there for safety and for protection. And there would only be one door into the pen. And the only person allowed through the door would be the shepherd. And then each day, the shepherd would come and he would let his sheep out to go into the pasture for feeding and for what the passage would call abundant life. Now, in this parable, there are four primary actors. There's the sheep. And to be as clear as possible, we are called the sheep. That might not be a flattering metaphor for you to think of yourself as a sheep. It probably shouldn't be. But you are a sheep. Second, there's a hired hand. The hired hands vary. But ultimately, the hired hands stand at the door and yet they just do a job and get a paycheck and don't care about the sheep. There's a door, and there's a shepherd. 
And Jesus takes both of these images of the door and of the shepherd. And he says, I am the door. And then he says, I am the shepherd. And while it might not sound very flattering for Jesus to call himself a door. What he's ultimately saying is. I am your way in and out of this abundant eternal life. There is no other door. There is no other way. And Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd who cares deeply for and tends intimately for the needs of my sheep. So in verses 1 through 6, Jesus tells this metaphor and we're told that it wasn't understood. So again, in verses 7 through 18, he tells the story in greater detail. Using these two primary declarations, I am the door for the sheep. Meaning, it is through me and me alone that the sheep are able to enter into an abundant eternal life. And he says, I am the good shepherd. Meaning, I am the one sent from God to tend to the needs of the sheep and lead them step by step all the way into everlasting life. That's the message of Jesus today. So if you want to take notes this morning, the first point is the claim. What is the claim that Jesus makes? Um, What I love about these these narratives in the Gospel of John that we're looking at uh, in this series is, is the claims are very, very clear. Verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Verse 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. What Jesus is making clear is he wants his followers and those considering him to understand that he is the good shepherd of the sheep. Now, the statement begins with this, what we're calling the I am formula. Uh, it's rooted in Exodus 3, verse 14. And it's, it's most clearly laid out for us in John chapter 8, which we looked at a few Sundays ago. But what Jesus is doing here is he's intentionally taking the name of Yahweh. The name of the Father and the name of the God of the Jews upon himself. And he's saying, I am. In Exodus three fourteen. God was asked by Moses, what is, what is your name? He says, my name is I Am. And so Jesus is, is taking this I Am formula upon himself. And, and that happens over and over and over in John's gospel. That's actually what we're tracking in our sermon series. So it's no accident. Now, the subtlety of the I Am formula might be missed except for the claim that goes with it. In the Old Testament, in the life of Israel, in the life um, that was known well by all those who were following Jesus at this time, God himself is pictured as the shepherd of Israel. Over and over, God is pictured himself as the shepherd of Israel. Our our very famous, oft-quoted psalm, Psalm 23 The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
Again, that's that I am formula. The Lord is my shepherd. What we're seeing is that the Lord claims to be the shepherd of his people. And so rooted throughout the Old Testament is this imagery that God and God alone is the shepherd of his people. So when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, he's claiming something more than a metaphor about himself. He's claiming divinity. He's claiming to be God. I am your good shepherd. Additionally, in the Old Testament, the Messiah, Messiah being the one whom God was going to send to bring full and final deliverance for his people, the Messiah who was to come is also likened to a shepherd. Particularly, Ezekiel 34, verses 23 and 24. I'm going to read those for us. Ezekiel 34, verses 23 and 24. God says, And I will set up over them, them my people, one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be the prince among them. I am the Lord, I have spoken. And so what's being spoken after the life of David? David's gone. Is that one like David will come, he will rise up to lead my people, and I will make him a shepherd over them. So when Jesus says, I am The good shepherd, he's taking this divine formula upon himself, saying, I'm God. But he's also saying, I am the one that you've been looking for. I am the one who has come to bring deliverance and everlasting life and abundant life to my people. I am the good shepherd. And again, if that feels too metaphorical and too subtle... The passage gives some real clear hits. Verse 15, Jesus said, just as the Father knows me, I know the Father. Verse 17, for this reason, the Father loves me. Verse 18, this charge I received from my Father. The takeaway here, friends, is simple. Jesus wants us to know him and believe in him as the Messiah. As the divine son of God who has come to be the savior and the redeemer and the deliverer of God's people. Because there is no other and there will be no other. And often in my sermons, I try to tone down theological nerd. Dumb and be tangible. But today I'm actually not toning down theological nerddom. I'm increasing it. These theological designations matter. These theological designations are of great importance. Jesus is no mere human leader. He is no mere good moral teacher. 
He is no mere worker of miracles. But he is the messenger from God to bring salvation and deliverance for his people. If we miss Jesus, we're missing our hope. We're missing our way. And now friends, this one statement makes sense out of so much of the passage that we're looking at today. All of the language about thieves and robbers and those who have come before that language is primarily speaking of false messiahs. It's primarily speaking of those who have falsely claimed to be God's deliverer. And Jesus is saying this. You can tell the difference between a thief and the real thing by how sacrificial I am going to be for my sheep. My love for my sheep goes all the way to dying for them. I am the good shepherd. Is Jesus saying. I am God with you. To be your deliverer. And your hope. And your peace. And your way to the father. And your way to everlasting life. So the question. How do I respond to Jesus. Is. Everything. Second point. As we continue. The grace. Why is it good news that Jesus is our good shepherd? Why is it good news that Jesus is our good shepherd? It is a gift of grace, which means a gift of divine favor that is not deserved, that is not earned, and yet is lavish. Let's just walk through the passage and notice the grace that it points out to us. Verse 3. We're told that the shepherd calls his sheep by name. Calls his sheep by name. Which means that he knows them. And not just like when we go to a livestock yard today and the livestock have a pin on their ear with a number, you know, he doesn't call them number 113, which I guess he could. But if you study, which I had to do this week because I am no expert in um, zero BC farming, but if you study Shepherdom at that time, the names would often be very personal. The loud one. The one who runs away. The one who's not so clean. Right? Like the shepherd knew his sheep. And calls them by name. The good news here. What this is saying is that Jesus knows his people so well and so thoroughly and so intimately that he can call us by name. 
But the real grace is that He still calls us by name. Because our name is sinner. Rebel. Broken. Selfish. Hurting. Impure. Trampled upon. Jesus looks at that and he says, I'll call you by name. Come follow me. So those of you who are listening today and your self-perception flows through guilt and fear and shame, just know that we're talking about a Savior who comes to redeem the guilty and those who are filled with shame and those who are filled with fear. And he still says, I love you and there's a place for you in my flock. Come follow me. I just want to stop and let that resonate, but there's so much more good here. Verse 3 also tells us He calls his sheep by name and leads them out, which means he leads them out of the gate into the pasture and then at the right time back into the gate. And so, what this tells us is that our good shepherd provides for us. And protects us. It tells us that our good shepherd will lead us out into the pasture where he will ensure that we're fed and we're provided for. Our good shepherd sees to our provision. And at the right time, he'll lead us back into the fence to to ensure that we're protected from the wolves. So this good shepherd knows us by name, and he leads us with provision and protection. The passage goes on and says, When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. He goes before them. He leads us. To belong to the flock of Jesus doesn't mean we have to make our own way. It just means we have to be willing to follow him. He leads us. By definition, if he leads us, when we come into crisis, he's going to go there first. When we come into hardship, he's going to go there first. When we come into to, to dead pasture with no food, he's going to be there first. He leads his sheep. He will not take us anywhere that he himself is not willing to go. And that's why the author of Hebrews can say, we have a Savior who can sympathize with all of our weakness because in every way he himself was tempted, yet without sin. Then Jesus is going to reiterate all of this about calling by name and provision and protection as he reiterates the I am the door discourse in verses 7, 8, 9, and 10. And then in verse 11, he lays out what might be the most remarkable part of this. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 
Jesus says, I am willing to die for my sheep. And then if we read on into verse 15, 16, and 17, and 18, what he's ultimately saying is not only am I willing to die for my sheep, but I will die for my sheep. I will die for my sheep. I will give my life so that my sheep can be a part of my sheepfold, of my herd, of my flock. Christ offered his life to take away all that ugliness, to take away all that sin, to take away all that rebellion for his sheep. I lay down my life for my sheep. The news keeps getting better though. Verse 15, Jesus looks at a group of Jewish followers and says, I have other sheep that are not a part of this flock that I need to add to my flock. My flock's not complete just because Israel has received her Messiah. My flock will be complete when there is only one flock. And that one flock has one shepherd. And that flock will be made up of people from every tribe, nation, language, and tongue. And they will worship Jesus. Now, I don't know who could be watching today kind of through this video stream, but when we gather here at 177 Bonita Parkway, we're a bunch of Gentiles. We're a bunch of every nation, language, tribe, and tongue. We're a bunch of not of my flock whom I will seek and I will redeem. Jesus is going to die for his sheep. So that he will build a flock of those who are near and far. Those who are of Israel and far from Israel. Making one flock who knows the father through him. And he says, my father affirms this purpose and this plan. Lest you think I'm reading too much into these metaphors, just look down few more verses. John chapter 10 verses 27 and 28. Jesus goes on. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Jesus is the shepherd. And it's good to belong to the shepherd. Because he knows us by name and still redeems us. He provides for us. He protects us. He leads us and he sacrifices for his sheep in a way that no one else ever can. And then he says, because I died and because I rose again, Nothing will snatch you out of my hand. Nothing. Friends, this has been a hard couple weeks here in Middle Tennessee. 
tornadoes, destruction, death, school closures, power outages, coronavirus, social distancing, quarantining. All of our idolatrous events shut down. Forced Sabbath, which I contend is good for our souls, but that's for another message. Fear of having a virus, fear of giving a virus to someone that we love. Fear of conspiracy, fear of control, fear of just fear, fear, all the things. We planned to preach this sermon on this day a long, long time ago. But in God's providence, here he is today saying, I'm the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. I provide. I protect. I care for. I nourish. I lead. Come follow me. That leads to the final point. The response. The gift of knowing the shepherd is found in being with the shepherd. We can't have the gifts apart from the shepherd. So the passage says, Verse 3, the shepherd calls us by name, but the sheep will hear his voice. The passage says in verse 14 that, that the shepherd knows his sheep, but the sheep know the shepherd. The passage says in verse 16 that the sheep will listen to his voice and follow him. I think the question for us today, do I know Christ? And we said before, and I want to just reiterate again, to know in the Gospel of John is not to have mere intellectual knowledge. It's to know in a real, tangible, trusting way. Do I know Christ? If not, this is the day. This is the day to turn away from self, turn away from sin, turn away from rebellion, and lean into Jesus. This is the day to repent and believe. If I do know Christ, this is the day to wrestle with this question. What am I trusting more than Christ? What am I trusting more than Christ? What would, it look, what would look different in my life if I said my aim is to know Jesus and walk with him? The passage says in multiple occasions that the sheep of Jesus hear his voice.
tell this story often, but I'll, I'll tell it one more time. I was down on Nolensville Road in Nashville in a very chaotic convenience store. There were people everywhere. There were children running amok. And this one a Hispanic lady turned around and in a very firm but not yelling way said, Vamanos. And in an instant, five children came from all realms of the store and made a line behind her. Now, I wish the English language gave us a word such as Vamanos. But that's not really the point. The point is they heard mama. And when they heard mama, they responded. Learning to hear the voice of Jesus, learning to hear the leadership of our good shepherd is something that takes discipline and it's something that we have to grow into and it's something that requires humility. So will you open up your scripture? And will you ask God to help you hear his voice? Because the word of God and the word of Jesus are one word. Actually, Jesus is the word. But am I attuned to hear the voice of Jesus? Third, finally, am I willing to follow Jesus wherever he leads me? Am I willing to follow Jesus wherever he leads me? going to do something I don't often do, and I want to read the first three verses of this passage from the message, because it's clear, it's compelling. Let me set this before you as plainly as I can. If a person climbs over or through the fence of a sheep pen instead of going through the gate, you know he's up to no good, a sheep rustler. The shepherd walks right up to the gate. The gatekeeper opens the gate to him. And the sheep recognize his voice. So my prayer for us is that we would hear the voice of our Savior. We would recognize it. We would follow him. And we would enjoy the provision and the protection and the leadership and the abundant life that he offers us. So now, Father... I pray that you would teach these realities to us. And I pray that you would take your word and you would accomplish much good for our lives, for our families, for our church, and for your world. In particular, Father, we pray today that you would give a particular blessing to the people of Redeemer Church, that you would cause us to know your love and to know your power. Additionally, I pray that you would move us to love one another well and to love our neighbors well during this trying time. We pray for our nation and our state and our city and our community, that you would cause this outbreak of coronavirus to go away, to be squelched, and to have as minimal impact as possible. 
We pray that you would orchestrate events that would allow our church to gather again soon. We pray, Father. Pray that you would give energy and strength and wisdom to all of those in the medical community who are caring for the sick and the hurting. I pray for anyone in our church who is currently infected or exposed to be healed and to have no lasting impact. Would you do this, Father? Lord, would you cause this church, Redeemer Church, to rise up and evidence deeply the love which we experience through your Son and sharing it with others and sharing it with our neighbors and in sharing it with our world. Pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.